You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Awesome. Well, hey, good morning, everyone. Man, good to see your faces. I heard your voices. You guys sounded great. Thank you uh, so much uh, for being here, those who are joining us and those who are visiting as well uh, in person and online. And uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Bobby. I oversee uh, worship and discipleship here. And typically I make a joke whenever Pastor Ben's not here that, you know, I'm just kind of like if you put him in a funhouse mirror uh, because he's so tall and I'm so short. Um, But he is away. Him and Jessica are uh, spending a couple days in Mackinac. And so just be praying for them. Uh, They watched first service. And uh, yeah, I hope that they have have a good time away. And can we just take a moment and thank the worship team this morning for just helping lead us into worship. Man, um, again, you guys did such a great job. Uh, thank you for all that you do and for leading. And Liz, again, you did such a great job second service as well as first. And so thank you for helping lead us and the rest of the team as well. And I also want to thank some of you guys. A couple weeks ago, I graduated with my master's. And so thank you for all of you guys who have come up to me and, and congratulated me. Oh, thank you. I wasn't expecting that. But thank you to everyone who came and congratulated me, uh, people who gave me gifts. I I know uh, that I couldn't have done it without your support, uh, your prayers, uh, for some of you, your patience, uh, as my stress level was probably a little higher the past couple of years. Uh, You know, global pandemic and all, it's it's the school that really stressed me out. Um, But man, I am so excited that I am able uh, to get a chance to share God's word with you this morning, especially as we start wrapping up our series in Exodus. And this morning... I'll be finishing up the series, finishing out the book, and next week, Pastor Ben, he might be sharing some final thoughts uh, before we jump into a summer series we're doing on Joseph, which is kind of like the prequel uh, to the story of Exodus. And so over the last couple of years, Pastor Ben has given me the name The Closer, which is like the most underwhelming professional wrestler name, right? The Closer. Um, because uh, I've had the privilege of wrapping up several of our sermon series, and this includes uh, Christmas that we did last year, our soundtrack series, uh, one that we did on Mark, and also another one that we did on the prison epistles last summer um, as well. And and since being dubbed the closer, um, I have also even uh, started closing uh, the majority of our church services on Sunday morning uh, so that Pastor Ben and Jessica could go out in the lobby and kind of greet you guys as you go out for your week. And so I'm honored that Pastor Ben, again, has trusted me to wrap up this series as we jump into Exodus 35 through 40 this morning. Um, but I want you to know that I, I haven't always been known or seen as the closer. Um, when I was younger, I saw myself as anything from Zorro uh, to Luke Skywalker, because in my family, I was infamous for watching a movie and instantly transforming into the star role of that film. And so my bike was called the X-Wing, and, and I had a torn-up T-shirt with holes cut out in it where I would be Zorro, or, or maybe if some of you know the Phantom, I would be the Phantom. And one year for Christmas, I even remember I got a Batman costume because my whole family knew that I was like this. And, and I even had a Power Rangers uh, mask that I would wear as I was transformed from young Bobby into the White Ranger. <laughs> but one of my favorite characters to watch and to be Uh, was Indiana Jones. Maybe you've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Indiana Jones, and I think I've seen the original trilogy about a million times, but honestly, I really could be lowballing that. It's probably more. Um, And I loved how Indy, he was someone who was both smart, 
and adventurous. He was a professor uh, that also went on life or death expeditions. And, and, and he, he was charismatic, but he wasn't in it for the money because everything belonged in a museum. I mean, how could you not want to be Indiana Jones, right? Just saying it now, I'm like, ah, oh, I want to be that. Uh, and I remember going out with my grandparents, my Nana and Papa, for my birthday one year and picking up a nice fedora for myself as a birthday present. And I would wear that fedora and my mom's leather jacket from high school and instantly be transformed into Indiana Jones. And are you ready for this? I also owned a real, legit whip. Like, not a toy, not a rope, like an actual bull whip that I knew how to crack as a six-year-old. And so how would you imagine a story like this ending, right? Uh, probably pretty poorly, right? And so let's just say it was all going well until someone accidentally destroyed our ceiling fan and shattered glass all over the kitchen floor. It was my mom. Man, parents, am I right? You know what's up. But that's what adventure is all about, right? It's, it's avoiding life's obstacles like their tiny glass shards of glass on the linoleum floor. And when I studied these passages of Exodus talking about the making of the tabernacle, I was instantly transformed into that wide-eyed six-year-old again as I read stories about the infamous Ark of the Covenant. I mean, come on, I'm preaching on something that an Indiana Jones movie is based on. Like, what more could a person want? And let me tell you, nothing. Nothing. But don't worry. Even though this has potential to be a great message, it is not going to melt your faces off. And I mean, it might figuratively melt your faces off, but literally, you and your face, you'll be fine. So you can open your eyes. It'll be okay. And you might remember that a few weeks ago, Pastor Ben, he began our discussion on the tabernacle and shared that the tabernacle, it takes up nearly a third of the book of Exodus. And, and yes, you heard me right, a third of the story of Exodus is about this tabernacle. But when I think of the Exodus story, I don't think about the tabernacle. I think of the Israelites being led out of slavery. I think of God giving Moses the Ten Commandments. You know, I think of the people worshiping the golden calf, and yet... The tabernacle is the focal point for such a large portion of the book. And why? Why is that? That's something I'm hoping to tackle today. Pastor Ben also shared a couple of weeks ago when he shared about the tabernacle that the tabernacle is a place where God is with us, it is a place where God speaks, and it is a place that requires sacrifice. And that last point is what I want to focus on this morning as I ask what is the sacrifice of our worship? See, Pastor Ben shared how sacrifice was required in order to enter God's presence. But as I was studying this week, I noticed that actually sacrifice and surrender, they're everywhere in the development of the tabernacle. But this tabernacle we're discussing this morning, it's not about uh, what was required to enter God's presence. This sacrifice is one that is willingly offered by a people who were delivered from slavery by God. And so let's look at three things people sacrificed as part of their worship, as part of their response to God and for all that he has done. And so the first sacrifice of our worship is giving our treasure. 
In Exodus 35, starting in verse 4, it says that Moses said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. And so from there, Moses lifts several things that people bring from gold and silver to expensive cloths and oils and wood. And, and what I love is that all of these things that the people gave, they gave them willfully and joyfully. See, Moses didn't ask for a $50 donation to his ministry in order for you to receive a special blessing from God. You know, maybe you've heard that before on TV somewhere. But Moses just asked if the people were willing to give and be generous. And this is probably the easiest ask if you ask me for people just coming out of slavery. And I've experienced it uh, both myself and with so many people who I know who have been hungry and who have been needy. That, that so many of these people who have once been in need are usually the most generous when they see others in the same place. And so here we have people who just came out of slavery being so quick to give up what little they have. And that should tell us a lot about generosity. So let's remember to ask ourselves this morning, what would we give to a God who sets captives free? What would we give to the God who delivers us from slavery? What would we give to a ministry that teaches us emotional health or spiritual freedom or helps us discover how we were made for a greater purpose? And I also love that all of these people here, that they were also a part of this contribution, that, that people gave jewelry, people gave clothing, and there were even women who uh, are said to be involved uh, by uh, sewing and putting together different types of fabrics. And even the leaders among the people, they gave precious, valuable stones, and they gave valuable spices to be used for the tabernacle. So it wasn't just a few people sacrificing for the sake of the many. Every person of every social class gave. Everyone was involved in the sacrifice of giving their treasure in order to worship the Lord. And there's even this point in the story where Moses, he actually tells the people to stop giving towards the tabernacle. You know, the people, the ones who we just learned about last week who were worshiping this golden calf have now kind of had a change of heart, that they are now so generous that they give more than what is needed. And all in all, they gave over a ton of gold, literally over a ton of gold and over four tons of silver. And so think about that. That is over 8,000 pounds of silver and over 2,000 pounds of gold. That'll buy a lot of fedoras and leather jackets, right? Amen. This is a powerful point of the story that there's a point or there's a percentage or there's a time where God might ask us not to sacrifice as much or, or there are times where God might ask us to sacrifice more in order to meet a greater purpose. So don't get me wrong. You know, we should always be generous people, but I love how this story shows that there are seasons and times where God might ask us to be more generous in order to fulfill a greater purpose. And honestly, I know that that's so many of us, uh, so many, uh, I know of so many stories from this church of people who have given sacrificially for the kingdom of God. You know, when we were building this very church uh, that we're standing in, that we're sitting in, that we are in today, you know, there were people who gave away vehicles and, and watches and, and card collections in order to help get this building built. That there were uh, children that actually gave away their allowances there are companies that donated the concrete that you're standing and sitting on. 
ones that donated the steel beams that are holding this building together. All out of the abundance of their hearts. And there was even someone who gave away their wedding ring. There are families that sacrificed vacations and families that sacrificed some of their savings. And not because they believed in a building or not because they believed in me or not because they believed in Pastor Ben, but because they believed in Jesus and they believed in his mission and the way we embody that mission here at the Gateway. And I love that the generosity here, it's not even just seen in us being a debt-free church or, or building this space with cash, but, but we're also so generous in raising money uh, through uh, World Vision for clean water, like we saw in the announcement video this morning. You know, we're also generous to give so that we can help bring an end to human trafficking through Project Rescue, which we did last year. And I'm blown away by the 100-plus missionaries and organizations that we help support through Faith Promise Giving, which is above and beyond your tithe. So I want you to know, right off the bat, before we move on, thank you for people who are generous, like the people of Israel. And thank you for seeing the power of generosity. And thank you for worshiping God with your treasure. I know that's something that we do very well here. But we shouldn't just express our worship to God through giving our treasure. Um, but what we see in this story is that we should also worship God through our talents as well. Later in Exodus 35, starting in verse 30, it actually says that, Then Moses said to the people of Israel, See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with what? He's filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold and silver and bronze and cutting stones for settings and in carving wood for work in every skilled craft. You know, I think it's easy for us to see God's spirit working when we're here on Sunday mornings or, or you know, his hand it works so powerfully when we're praying for others. And, and I love that these charismatic gifts, they can be seen here during a service or maybe even at Wednesday night prayer. You know, we have so many people who serve here on Sunday mornings as greeters or on the worship team or even right now back in Gateway Kids preaching the gospel to your children. We have people who also serve as connect group leaders that just wrapped up or, or on our missions or elder or deacon board. And we also have people who mentor others in the church and, or, or pour into our youth students on Wednesday nights. You know, we have the impact we have not just because of the willingness for us to give of our treasure, but also because of our willingness to share our talents as well. But there's another valuable and powerful point that needs to be understood in the building of the tabernacle. And it's that God gives his spirit to some people so that they can be good parents. God gives his spirit to some people so that they can be good dentists. God gives his spirit to some people to be good at lawn care or teaching or engineering. And that God uniquely crafted each and every one of us in different ways so that we will uh, have to rely on one another and so that we can have a greater impact on the world. And so when talking to some of the different engineers who attend our church and hearing about things like CAD software or touchscreen technology or AI facial recognition software, which is far beyond my intellect and intelligence, I, I see the spirit at work in their lives and through their careers. And when I talk to friends and family in fields of medicine and psychology and I hear the holistic way that the spirit and the soul and the body all work together, it, I'm, it just, I can't fathom it. And I see the spirit of God working in their understanding of medicine and the mind. That God has given us talents 
for a reason. And they're ultimately to give him glory. And sometimes we use things like teaching or, or influence or music to serve here at the church. And, and sometimes we're filled with God's spirit to just be good at our jobs. But how are you using your gifts and your talents? Are you using them to bring him glory? Do you see your talents or your jobs or, or the people around you as gifts? Or do you see them as burdens? Are you too busy trying to advance your career or to make it to the weekend that you fail to see how God is working in the midst of the nine to five? You know, it also says in this passage that uh, through the spirit, Bezalel, you have the gift to teach others. That, that there's this idea of mentorship and discipleship uh, that God has given us talent so that we can pass them on to others. And again, this might be knowledge of something, this might be skills, or this might even be a ministry that you serve in. And it's powerful because another thing that's here is that we see that Moses and the people, they didn't cut any corners when they made the tabernacle. That, you know, uh, they didn't say that some of the things in the tabernacle would be too uh, expensive. They didn't think, you know, God was asking too much for them in building the tabernacle. There's a level of both obedience and a level of excellence that we see uh, from the people. Because what you'll notice is, as we move on this morning, is that I'm skipping some of the different uh, artifacts and structural elements that are being built uh, in the tabernacle that are in some of these uh, later chapters. Um, and a lot of that is because, you know, verses 35 through 40 are, are, are almost copied word for word uh, from chapters 25 through 31, uh, which Pastor Ben preached on a couple of weeks ago. And so some of you might be asking, but Bobby, why would someone write the same exact story in the same book of the Bible twice? Good question. You're asking a good question. And that's because we could see, uh, so that we could see and understand the excellence that these people took in creating the tabernacle, the dwelling place for God. Then in the earlier chapters of Exodus, uh, this is where God tells Moses what he wants the tabernacle to look like. And in this passage today, in chapters 35 through 40, we see the people doing exactly what God was asking them to do. And we need to be reminded of that as well. That we're supposed to be stewarding the things that God has given us. That we are to be, uh, supposed to be growing in knowledge and skill. That we're supposed, uh, not supposed to cut corners or be stagnant in our faith. That we need to be obedient as we give God our best. So are you giving God your best when it comes to your talents? Maybe God wants you to take a class or, or go back to school. I know that's what God asked me to do. Maybe God wants you to find a mentor or maybe even mentor somebody else. Maybe God is asking you to take a step of faith and serve in a ministry here at the church. But if you're wanting to become a better steward in the way you worship God with your talents, there are so many different things that you can do. But you've got to start somewhere. We're not only asked to give God our, our treasure and our talents, but we also see in this passage that God asks us to give him our time as well. In the opening uh, in Exodus 35, I skipped over it, uh, but we're going to read it today. It says, uh, Moses assembled all the congregation of the people of Israel and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded you to do. Six days' work shall be done, but on the seventh day you shall have a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord, Whoever does any work on it shall be put to death. Ugh. That actually sounds a little bit like Indiana Jones, right? Um, 
But, you know, sometimes I kind of wish someone would talk to me that way. Like, hey, Bobby, you really need a nap, uh, so you, you better go or I'm going to kill you. And it's like, okay, I'm a little too stressed now to nap, but thank you. I, I, I appreciate the sentiment. Um, but what is crazy is that, that since God has shared the Ten Commandments with Moses, uh, one command over and over has come up several times since, and that has been this command to honor the Sabbath. And if you were here when Pastor Rachel uh, a few weeks ago preached on the Ten Commandments, uh, she rightfully spent a lot of time talking about the value of rest within the Ten Commandments and how from our rest we find our identity in God. You know, and I think one of the reasons why Sabbath is brought up so much, it's because giving God our time is one of the hardest things for us to do, right? You know, I'm sure for a lot of us who are here this morning, it might be easy for us to give to a cause or, or be generous to a friend uh, who, ha- who has a need or maybe even to serve in a ministry, but it's a lot harder to take a day off at work. It's a lot harder to rearrange your whole life so that resting in God is your focus instead of an afterthought. The one thing that is abundantly clear in this passage is that we should rest even if it stops us from doing something good. To the people of Israel, they are building a tabernacle for God to dwell in and so that they can worship him. But God doesn't want their work to get in the way of actually worshiping. Because if we don't take time to regularly stop and reflect, we won't just burn out, but we'll lose sight of who God is, for, lose sight of what he's done and the reason why we're doing anything in the first place. Doesn't that go against everything that we feel in our body, right? You know, we celebrate those who work hard and those who have grit. You know, we get promotions for working ourselves to death and neglecting our family. We become captains of sports teams or project managers or even get scholarships for working ourselves to death. You know, and we think silence and stillness is deafening. You know, much of our life is spent sometimes in the drive through line or, or hitting a number on the microwave. And maybe we're running around for something, uh, like Matt, for something good. You know, like all the activities our kids are doing. Or, or maybe just for a season until we get a promotion at work. But one thing is clear in this passage, and it's that rest is not a recommendation. Rest is a requirement. You know, when looking at the other two points... Uh, of giving God our treasure and our talents, we're asked to willingly give and share these things with God. But rest, but Sabbath, but time, this one isn't one that's willingly given. This one is commanded. And I think it's because people, you know, they have different amounts of wealth or, or people have different amounts of, of talents and, and things that they can share with others. But all of us have the same amount of time. You know, time is a constant for all of us. So no one here has any more than any other. We all have the same 24 hours in a day to work with. So what are you doing to honor God with your time? We find this beautiful thing as we continue on, that as we give God our treasure and our talent and our time, that God gives back to us. Because that's just who he is. And as we give these things to God, 
God gives his glory to us. So I want you to take a moment and listen to how the book of Exodus ends. And after the people finish this tabernacle, this is what it says in chapter 40, starting in verse 34. It says, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Now, this is a powerful reminder to all of us. It's not that our worship is a response to God's glory, but rather that God's glory is a response to our worship. That we worship God and give him everything because he's worthy. You know, he's the one who's delivered us. He's the one that set us free and delivered us like he delivered the Israelites from slavery. And so we give him our time and our talents and our treasure as a response to that freedom from captivity. You know, we don't worship God because of a feeling. We don't, we don't lift our hands once we feel his presence during worship. We give him glory because that's what he deserves, plain and simple. And so I want you to think, why is this moment so powerful to the Israelites? You know, why has this tabernacle taken nearly a third of the book of Exodus? It's because this has been what humanity has been waiting for since the Garden of Eden. And when we started the book of Exodus, we saw that God was absent. In the first chapters of Exodus, he isn't really even mentioned. You know, the Pharaoh has forgotten about the story of Joseph, that God's providence is all but forgotten. But then we see in chapter 2 that God heard the people's crying. He remembered his promise. He saw their suffering, and he knew that now was the right time to act. See, God heard them, but he wasn't with them. You know, next we see God repeating these same words to Moses in a burning bush, and we see his mighty works through plagues and by ultimately delivering the people of Israel through the Red Sea. We see God providing food and water and nourishment and rest to a people making their way out of bondage. You know, God delivered them but he wasn't with them. And we see the people waiting on the ground as the glory of the Lord rests on a mountain. We see God's glory radiate Moses' face. We see his power through thunder and lightning. So God was on this mountain, but God wasn't yet with them. But what we see at the end of Exodus is that the God who was hearing their prayers, the God who was delivering and rescuing them, the God who was speaking to Moses on the mountain was now settling among them. One commentator I was studying this week, he said this. He said, Yahweh is now among his people, not in his mighty deeds or in his rescue or in his provision or in his guidance or in his judgment or at a distant, uh, distance on a forbidden and foreboding mountain, but there in their midst the symbol of his nearness, visible to all and all the time. Yahweh protecting and guiding. Yahweh teaching and blessing. Yahweh's presence settled in Israel's center. Yahweh's presence filling the holiest space. Yahweh's presence in their living place. Wherever it might be and when, 
Yahweh's presence in them. See, this is why a third of Exodus is talking about the tabernacle. That this is, a what, uh, this is what allowed God to be with his people. This was God's first answer to sin, a foretaste of the sacrifice we see in Jesus' death on the cross. This is a, the power of the story of the Exodus. See, a God who seemed absent from the start of the story ends by being with his creation once again and forever. You know, at the start of the series, we said something. Uh, we said that the theme of Exodus was this, that the Lord is the living God and he cares for his people. Um, and so if you haven't written that down in your journal, in your Bible, I'll put that at the start of Exodus. I am the living God and I care about that people. That is the theme of this story. But as we end Exodus, I want you all, uh, if you have your Exodus journal or if you have your Bible, I want you to write this in. Because for the people of God from now on, this is their theme that the Lord is the living God and he is with his people. Will you say that with me this morning? That I am the living God and I am with my people. Now let's say that again. I am the living God and I am with my people. Amen. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come up this morning. And I want us to take a moment to just examine our hearts and reflect this morning and, and, and to think about our treasure and our talents and our time. Where's God asking you to grow? Where's God asking you to give? And what do you need to surrender today in order to give God glory? Because God, he's given us everything we have. So what are you willing to give to him in order to further his mission? What are you willing to give to him as a response for what he has done for you? I know for me, out of these three, I'm probably going to be uh, trying to focus a lot on honoring God with my time. And I'm going to be asking a lot, especially as I wrap up my master's, you know, how can I rearrange my schedule to really have a full day off, to really reflect on who he is and to really worship him? And how can I work from a place of rest instead of just treating rest like a reward for work? But maybe God's asking you to serve in a ministry. Maybe God's asking you to give towards missions or, or maybe uh, to care more about the people and skills required at your actual job that you're going to on Monday. Maybe God's actually asking you to quit a sport. He did that for me. He told me to quit wrestling. I was on my way to become the captain. Or maybe God's asking you to go on a vacation. Wouldn't that be nice, right? or to be part of a small group, or maybe uh, as COVID numbers are winding down, maybe you need to reinstate a date night. But how can you better honor God with your treasure, with your talents, with your time? What is God asking you to give? Will you stand with me this morning or now this, uh, as we approach the afternoon? And let's pray uh, before the worship team leads us in one more song this morning. Jesus, we just thank you that everything we have is because of you, that we were lost, but now we're found. We were broken, but now we're made whole. Lord, and we thank you that we are forgiven, that we are made new, that we are alive because of you. And so as a response, we give you everything we have. 
our time and our talents and our treasure, Lord, to use as you see fit. That you saved us. You saved all of me. And so I give you all of me as a response. And Lord, I just pray that if there's something I'm holding on to, that I would be willing to let it go in order to pick up my cross and follow you. close. Let's just take a moment and I want you to reflect on these three things, your time, your talents, and your treasure. And see if there's an area of your life that you're not willing to surrender, an area of your life where you need to grow, an area of your life where you need to be stretched. Just ask God for guidance. And if you're holding on to those things, if you're, if you're trying to gain control, take this moment as the worship team leads us to let go things in order to follow him. Lord Jesus, we thank you and we pray that you would speak to us as we worship you. In your name. Amen. Yeah. You know, one thing that you'll see in Exodus is that it kind of ends on this cliffhanger that, that God's presence, it comes down to dwell with them and, and to meet with them, but no one can enter this tent of meeting. And, and when we end the book wondering when will someone be able to enter in? And we see that that actually happens in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. And so the rest of Leviticus, it talks about how the Israelites, how they must live as God's people, especially if God is going to be dwelling with them. And so most of Leviticus, if you've read through it, it probably seems boring or, or might even seem antiquated with all of the sacrifices and rituals. But really, it is all about how sacrifice is the ultimate answer to our sin and brokenness. And what we see is that Jesus, for us today, is the ultimate answer, the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Because only a human could bring forgiveness to the rest of humanity. And so God became man and he dwelled, or as Pastor Ben said, he tabernacled among us and he died so that we could be with him and he could be with us forever. And so as I pray one final prayer this morning, if you want to accept that forgiveness, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray that you would make this prayer your prayer. And I would ask you to find me or find Pastor Sean uh, in the lobby after service because uh, we want to connect with you if you've made that decision, especially for the first time. But can we just take a moment and pray one more prayer of surrender? Jesus, we thank you that you are the ultimate sacrifice that the greatest possible being would express the greatest possible attribute in the greatest possible way. And we thank you that the God of the universe would express his love for humanity through sacrificing himself. Lord, let us not lose sight of the price that you paid. Just the fact that the God of the universe would dwell among us, would become a man, such a sacrifice enough, Lord, but we thank you that you gave your life for our forgiveness, for our wholeness, and 
Lord, we thank you that, that you just didn't circumvent death. You stared death straight in the face and defeated it, and you are resurrected and ascended and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of anything, Lord, and we lean on you. We lean on your sacrifice, and we lean on your resurrection as now we are part of your new creation. Lord, as people who are part of that new creation, we pray that as we leave, as we go from this place, that we would be your body, your hands and feet reaching out to a lost, hurting, and broken world. And so help us to be good stewards of our time and our talents and our treasure. Help remind us of the people around us who we can bless and who we can show your love, whether it's people at school or people at work or people we run into regularly. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us and prompt us your light in the darkness and again Lord we give you everything because you gave everything for us and we know that as we go as your ambassadors that you will be before us that you'll be behind us that you'll be all around us every single step of the way we give you the praise and all the glory and all the honor today because you deserve it it's in Jesus name Thank you so much for worshiping with us, for being with us today. Uh, You can go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.